Welcome to Hidden God, a podcast where we explore issues of theology and culture provided by Tulsa Bible Church. If you'd like more information, check out our website at tulsabible.org. So, Jared, I want to ask you two questions oh boy. Um, concerning Thanksgiving. So, first question, and, and these questions are uh, pertinent to, towards your spiritual growth as a believer who celebrates Thanksgiving. Of course, there. Obviously. Um, and I'm not joking at all. I'm being totally serious. Uh, <laughs> what What is your favorite Thanksgiving side dish? Oh, easy, easy. Mm. Not like homemade or cornbread stuffing, but the very simple delicate delicacy of stovetop stuffing. Stovetop stuffing. I could eat oh, that. Wow. I could eat like pots of that for the rest of my life and never get sick of it. Really? Wow. I just love it, man. That's controversial. Is it? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't like stuffing at all. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it should be controversial. Man. Yeah. I just, there's something about it. Yeah. I, I don't know what they're lacing that stuff with, mm. but man, slap your mama good <laughs> as, I, as I learned in the South. What yeah. about you? Well, okay. So I would have to go probably, it's a tie, man. I'm really struggling between mashed potatoes and gravy Mm. with uh, just regular cream bean casserole. Mm. I love good green bean casserole, man. Kind of get the, uh, that little sauce on the top Mm -hmm. with the crunchy noodles Mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Crunchy noodles. Let me tell you though, I don't want anybody wasting their time getting real mashed potatoes and mashing them up. Yeah. The powdered stuff, just add water is better anyway. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's where I'm at. Listen, there's some things, brownies, like you just don't, I mean, save yourself the time. Absolutely. It's so good, man. Your wife and I are in agreement on this. Kick it out of the box. (laughs) Let's go. Brandy actually makes like this, um, well, they used to call it like sweet potato pie in Mm. the South, but it's, it's basically like, um, a green bean casserole Mm. just with sweet potatoes. And she puts like, I don't know, she puts a little milk cream in there to sweeten them up even more. Oh, wow. And then a layer of marshmallows on the top. Oh, wow. And you burn them a little bit so they're nice and melty when you... Sounds delicious. Oh, my goodness. they It's like... Oof. Oof. That's, that's going to be a very close second to stuffing <laughs> on my radar. But. You know, I'm always shocked. Like, it, it surprises me every single year to, to see marshmallows combined with sweet potatoes. It's yeah. just such an un unusual combination but it works so well man that's what thanksgiving's all about sweet potatoes and stuffing Mm -hmm. and you know (laughs) (laughs) i do know yeah Um, i'll save the second question for next week all right all right sounds good we can do like a post thanksgiving yes action that's a good question man I'm, i'm really actually i'm very excited about this year's thanksgiving me too we got family coming in i think it's gonna be awesome nice uh, probably going to bring some dogs with them, which gotta love dogs. puts my kids at bay. They keep asking <laughs> me for a dog like, every single day. <laughs> so we'll see, but man, we're excited. We've been in a, uh, uh, man, finishing up a, a series here. Yes. Cultural crisis. We've been doing this series. Uh, today will be the sixth part of the series, sixth episode called cultural crisis. And just want to do a really quick review of where we've been in order to build on that as we conclude today. Um, first, we started by investigating a little bit of history. How has the church engaged in the culture in the past? Our second um, episode in the series, we provided four different models. Of course, remember, 
Niebuhr's book, Richard Niebuhr, that we mentioned, he came out with Christ and Culture mm-hmm. as a standard. Uh, Keller took that book and condensed it to, he had five models of Christ and Culture. Keller condensed that to four models. So we talked about those four models and provided a spectrum. On one end of the spectrum, you've got churches that avoid the culture at all costs, uh, being a, an effort to be countercultural and work through scriptures there. On the other side of the spectrum, is the relevancy model. This is the one where, you know, who cares as much about what scripture says? Mm. Let's be relevant. Let's let's meet the needs of the culture there instead. Then our third episode, we took time to define what we mean by the word culture itself. It was really helpful to uh, engage in that. Yeah, and two weeks ago, we looked at into contextualization, uh, communicating effectively to our culture, especially when it comes to understanding sin, especially, you know, what sins do we see in our culture? And then last week, our topic was engaging the culture, how to use specific scriptural references as show us what it means to engage the culture. We specifically looked at Paul's sermon on, on Mars Hill in Acts chapter 17. And now this week, we're going to talk about connecting to the culture in an effort to transform it. Yeah, absolutely. And at the outset of this conversation, transforming the culture, of course, first of all, this is going to bring a lot of humility into our lives mm-hmm. individually and into our church's life. But we have to begin with the prompt, the premise that the gospel is transformative and it will transform every aspect, not only of our lives, but also the influences that we have in the culture. So if the gospel is taking root in the lives of individuals and in the life of a church, transformation should be happening mm-hmm. and you should kind of see this on a regular basis. And if we believe that Jesus really is Lord of every aspect of life, then his Lordship should be impacting and, and continually transforming all of those areas as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you're right. We should be seeing transformation happening as a result of the gospel being centered in our lives. However, I will kind of come back on that in, in agreement with you and just say that if we don't see transformation happening, it may not simply be that there is no uh, gospel rooted in our lives, but we may just not be taking action on it. We may not be aware of the need for transformation through the gospel. Um, the apostles, you can look at any of the epistles, the letters they wrote to the churches, almost all of them take time to confront sins within the church that simply in their culture they didn't know needed to be transformed because the gospel was transformative. Most of Paul's letters were structured in the way that the first half was a lot of gospel truth, and the second half was him giving commands on how to live out the gospel truth. So we may have a a rooted gospel truth in our lives in this church at TBC especially, but if we don't see any transformation, we may just need to know about it. And that's what the point of this whole series is, is this podcast. And so some passages that I would go to to kind of help defend this idea uh, would first of all be Acts 2.36, which is um, where where Paul says that we need to, or I'm sorry, Peter says that we need to know for certain the gospel that has been preached through Jesus Christ, um, that Jesus is God's son, that he is the Christ. And this idea of knowing for certain is this idea of having him rooted in your life. You you know and you see, you, you, you'd investigate into it, and it, it becomes a part of who you are. And then In Romans uh, chapter 12, Paul talks about the classic passage of transforming your mind, you know, um, by transforming yourself by the renewal of your mind. So this, this gospel, once it's taken root in our lives, we should be 
pursuing a constant renewing of our minds through this gospel, and it should create a transformation inside of us. Right, yeah, and, and that Acts passage, too, is it's so key. Knowing knowing for certain is a huge element there that we have to apply to our hearts, mm-hmm. but that Christ is Lord, you know, and, and that his lordship is all-inclusive. There's nothing that Christ is not the Lord over. Right. Every, every aspect of life, all of God's creation Jesus Christ, his son is supreme over it. And if that's true, that means we need to uh, redeem those aspects of his creation for his glory so that his lordship can be better seen and understood in the, and for what he created it to be. Wow. Well, and because we are sinners living in a fallen world, the work of the gospel through us won't always be holistic, and that's something we, we should remember. There will always be areas of my life um, and our churches that the power of the gospel is continually transforming. We're all a work in progress. So when we when we read these commands or we talk about how where we should be, we shouldn't be discouraged that we're not there yet, but rather encouraged that we can get there by the power of the Holy Spirit. No, no doubt. And Paul says these statements about, hey, um, I don't care who you've been baptized by. Mm-hmm. We preach Christ and yes. we preach him crucified. So that tells you that um, the gospel itself is that preached message to even the believer where all of us have these blind spots. Sin is blind. Uh, we, we can't see the areas of our lives that the gospel hasn't touched yet. Mm-hmm. And yet we know that God wants to transform us holistically, all those things. And so as we walk with him, there's a continual process of understanding like, wow, I really am pretty sinful according to what I'm seeing about God's holiness. And, and the more I see his holiness, the more I see in my own life areas that I need to confess and and bring mm-hmm. to the foot of the cross so that God can do something. And those are, those are the idols. Yeah. Um, those are the things that we hang on to. We don't even know they're there sometimes until something happens in life to reveal, wow, I, I've really been hanging on to my job a little bit too tightly, or I've been hanging on to this person's relationship in my life too tightly. And I need to give that over to God so he can transform that in me, mm-hmm. you know, in my heart. And it's just such a good, for all of us, all Christians, when, when it comes to the truth, the gospel and transformation, we always have to start with ourselves, hmm. you know, and, and just know that we are the biggest work in progress and God has forgiven us. Like there's still a tremendous amount of work to be done yeah. there. So let me ask you a question. How can we then best connect with the culture to see more of this transformation? Yeah, this is like the cash value question for our, our final <laughs> series, right? Our final episode in the series. And I think it goes without saying, but I do want to say this just, just to start with a lot of humility here, if I can. Only God can transform a person. Right. This Only the Holy Spirit can really transform a church collectively. And so, mm. you know, if it was so easy to give like a three-step process, like do this, X, Y, Z, and then you're going to see transformation happening. That's that's all you'd see in the church. It mm-hmm. would just be a step-by-step guide for everything. But that's how the gospel and a relationship with Christ is different than every other religion or self-help kind of philosophy. Like the only the only way that gospel, the gospel is going to transform us is if God does it, and he works in ways that are different than our ways that are often mysterious. So, so just in humility, um, we can't give just a how-to here. It's got to go a little bit deeper than that. 
but I believe we do we we can have a very solid starting point. Hmm. And I think the starting point for every church, and this is my heart, even for TBC, Tulsa Bible here, is that there needs to be a unified, passionate commitment for hospitality and compassion for the lost. If mm-hmm. we're, if we personally are going to be a part of transforming the culture, it starts with us. It starts with our hearts and our desire to see the gospel working in the lives of people around us. Well, that's great. And all, but seriously, what's the three step process? Yeah. <laughs> step one is no. stop listening to Daniel Newberry. Yeah. <laughs> step two, start wow. listening to Kirk. It's so obvious. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, you're absolutely right. Um, so let me clarify then. So you're suggesting that in order to transform the culture more effectively, we we put aside the models that we've always followed and instead we focus on welcoming the lost? A, a little bit. And I, I want to put a caveat in there. Okay. The models definitely help us. They give us a framework. Yes. Right. Here, here's how it's been done in the past. Here's what's been tried. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's why mm-hmm. it's been that way. Here's the success. Here's the failures. So I, I think having the models is a, it's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think, um, a couple of people talk about like seasons, seasons of cultures. Yeah. So in the, in the West, for instance, in the United States, um, when the gospel first came to the United States through missionary expansion from Europe, uh, colonialization, all those kind of things. You think about the first and the second great awakening. It was, it was a winter season in the West. Um, there was native Americans, there was populations that didn't really know the truth, of the gospel, they needed missionaries to bring them, bring them that truth. But it was, it was kind of like a cold winter, hmm. right? You got these missionaries that come, they start preaching the gospel, you, you have evangelistic crusades and all these things, and, and you begin to see some spring, you, some life is happening. Uh, people are trusting Christ, you got uh, big tent evangelisms happening that were a big part of those great awakenings in our, in our history. Um, and then the gospel would flourish for a time. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely did here, it did in the Roman Empire back in the you know, the th- fourth century when Constantine legalized Christianity, you saw a lot of embracing of the gospel. But um, after the church gets comfortable, you know, you, you see kind of a lot of the trials and the tribulations. And is the gospel really going to take root for a lasting effect? And, and all of a sudden you got fall coming mm-hmm. along. The, the leaves are turning. The, the fruit that was once so evident. Um, and even churches experience these seasons. It was growing, growing, growing for such a time. Mm-hmm. You know, but now there's another season that's coming around again. And and you begin to see areas where the gospel impacting the culture, it needs to be renewed. Hmm. And, and a lot of time it takes that cycle, that season of death in order to bring, bring new life. I think that's a good, healthy way to, to consider it. But hmm. the other thing I go back to is just, man, look at the life of Christ in this. Yes. Right. When G, if anybody could have came to the earth and said, I'm going to transform this culture and have the power to do it. <laughs> it's Jesus, right? right? He could have he could have basically been like, "Okay, guys, like this is it. I'm here. Mm-hmm. Everything's good. The kingdom of God is here. Dunzo, right? Everything is great." But that's not what he did in his first coming. It's what he's going to do mm. in the second coming. In the first coming, you see all these stories of Jesus basically bringing the gospel to lost people. Mm. And it's not the people that you would expect. 
right? It, I shouldn't say that. He, he takes the gospel to all people, to all classes, mm-hmm. um, all races even. But it's um, the people that respond to it yeah. are the least expected. Hmm. It's, it's, the, it's the poor, it's the destitute, um, the uh, marginalized, uh, the insignificant of the society. Those are the ones that hear the gospel. So when Jesus, when he touches those areas, uh, he transforms the culture of the church, the synagogue, we would say, mm-hmm. was totally transformed by the gospel. Uh, the culture of leadership is totally transformed and the, the disciples walking with Christ, learning like, man, this isn't about me and my position. This is about serving other people, right? Um, he transforms the family culture. He talks a lot about divorce and and remarriage. He talks about uh, my true family. Mm-hmm. You know, you you talk about family and bloodlines. My true family are those who know me mm-hmm. and who desire to do my will. And so, so again, he's just, he is impacting so many cultures with, with everything that he's doing, but it really comes down to these encounters hmm. of individuals hearing the gospel from Christ and, and having hope and significance because of it. Um, what stories, I don't, you know, what, what stories come to your mind when you think about Jesus and impacting the culture and, and lives? Man, well, like you said, like he did it, he did it so often. And usually you see those the, the best stories do come whenever he interacts with the broken and the lost. Um, probably like the first two that would come to my mind are the woman at the well, which I don't know if, if you guys have watched the uh, the Chosen series, but they did a really phenomenal job portraying that scene. Um, and, and you really see that she is a very broken person and, and how he comes in and uses the gospel to change her life. And then Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Um, these are both people who they were not, they were not culturally accepted people. They were culturally unacceptable. She was a Samaritan and he was a tax collector. And they, they would, these were the people that were looked down upon. Nobody really wanted anything to do with them, but those are the people that Christ pursued. He chose to reveal himself as the Christ to the woman at the well before anyone else. And she was like the most unaccepted person in all of culture, not only a Samaritan, but had been married five times or whatever it was. Right. Right. Um, and so, I mean, this—I mean, just those two examples alone draw draw me to ask the question: If I was to try to picture someone in our current culture who I feel like does not fit in with the church, who is the first person that comes to my mind? Hmm. You know, I think if we all ask ourselves that question, an immediate image comes to our head, and they're wearing certain clothes, or they they have uh, certain features about them that look that that distinguish them. But if that person were to walk into our church, would we feel awkward <laughs> about right, it, you know? Right. Like, oh yeah, of course we want the gospel to reach them, but the moment they start to interact with our church, we feel weird about it. We feel odd about it. Yeah. And that's again, those are those those things you never know mm-hmm. how the gospel is going to transform one life mm-hmm. that can then go out and transform the culture. So yeah. it's kind of that multiplication idea. Um when people's lives are transformed, when individuals' lives are transformed by mm-hmm the gospel of Jesus Christ, they will in turn influence other people, yeah. which in effect transforms the culture. Yeah. Like it's, it's one person at a time. It's a, this is the missionary enterprise that God has given us to, to explore this passage in Luke. I want to mention, cause I see um, areas here where whenever Jesus encounters people in the gospels, you, the response is always a very radical response. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. you don't have a whole lot of people saying, 
wow, thanks Jesus. I'm going to, I'm going to sit on that for a while. I'm going to think about it. Right. Um, <laughs> when you meet the truth of the gospel, you can't sit on the fence. You can't straddle the fence. You can't, um, remain neutral. Right. So, so you have people that are either going to respond completely in faith and their life is going to be very transformed by it, mm-hmm. or they're going to reject it. Um, so again, you, all of us are always worshiping someone or something. Mm-hmm. It's not a question of if we worship, the question is what we worship. Jesus comes to the scene to, to these people and, and brings the gospel message and says, listen, if you're not willing to come into a right relationship with me as God's son and worship me, you're going to worship something else, which is effectively idolatry, right? So, so people are wrestling with these claims of Christ. Like they're, they're hearing the gospel message and some of them, um, very understandably for me, uh, and, and probably for other people in our culture are kind of like, hang on a second. You know, I've got my church life mm-hmm. and Jesus, you can have my Sundays all day long. Right. But I've got this whole other life, six days of a week where I, I really do enjoy things from my past. I, I like to, you know, hang out with certain people. I'm not really willing to take on the radical claims of Christianity for everything. Mm-hmm. I'll, g- I'll give you my kind of a half-hearted Christianity yeah. instead of a wholehearted one. And this passage in Luke 9 just gets to the heart of that. Jesus talks to three guys. Verse 57, they were going along a road. Someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, only Jesus can do this, right? Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So you're telling me you're going to follow me. Mm-hmm. Um, guess what that means? Like, you're not going to have a bed. Right. Are you, are you sure you're willing to follow me? And there's no response from that guy. That's number one. Verse 59, to another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. Jesus says, let the bed, dead bury their own dead. Uh, as for you, go proclaim the kingdom of God. Like, <clears throat> I've got this family. I need to take care of a funeral with my family. I want to go do that before I make this decision to fully follow you. Jesus is like, no, that's, that's not mm-hmm. how it works, man. Right. This is not the radical response to the gospel. The last guy, <clears throat> I will follow you, Lord, but let me say farewell to those in my home. Again, there's a connection to family here. Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. You are going forward mm-hmm. with your plow strokes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what Jesus demands in a response to the gospel. So, so a truthful gospel response from those people would have been, let's go. I'm ready. Yeah. You know, forget it, forget this other stuff. It's important to me, but it's not as important to me as the truth of the gospel. When that happens, your, your careers are going to be impacted. Yeah. The way that you look about your relationships, when you go to work, your marriage, your family, your friendships, Mm -hmm. like everything gets reframed under a radical response to the gospel. And that's, that's a life that's transformed. Yeah. Right. So let's not do this pick and choose Christianity, half-hearted Christianity stuff, because Jesus doesn't leave that option on the table. Right. Right. This is wholeheartedly following after Christ. Yeah, absolutely. And and what I definitely see from, from these people is not that they had um, good reasons not to follow in those moments, but they had good excuses for themselves. A lot of times when we are not willing to be transformed by Christ, we may not come face to face with this in our own hearts, but the real reason we're not doing it is because we think we've got a pretty good excuse. And, and that's really, I mean, 
to some level that's our own sinful hearts and to another level that is the enemy Man. and he is you know his a lot of his strategy is saying no here's a good excuse not to do what you should be doing right not to follow christ here fears uh desire unmet desires mm-hmm. self mm-hmm. good grief it, this is the gospel of death to self is such a um important aspect to communicate to our our culture today and our generation today um, let me just let me wrap this up with a couple points of application. The uh, first thing I want to say is when we're trying to transform a culture through the power of the gospel and through churches, we can't be passive about mm. this. We have to be very active in transforming the culture, but God is the one who transforms through the power of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And in the best way that he's going to do that is through our evangelism efforts. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would say the second point uh, about this is, is that transformation, it starts with creating welcoming and hospitable spaces to communicate the gospel to the broken. Um, yeah, I really want to focus on two things, spaces and communicate. You know, we right. we meet routinely every single week within the church to worship. And our that, that is a space that we own and we can manage, and we're stewards of, and and we should be focusing on making sure that space, which we have complete control over, is being transformed to reach the culture before we can hope to transform the culture. And then secondly, the idea is to communicate the gospel to the broken. And and this isn't about becoming like the culture. It's about understanding how the culture communicates. So um, I knew a, a missionary, and she was in, I think, Africa at one point. I don't know what part of Africa, but very big deal there was that they would eat monkey brains as a part of, it was like, a, it was this big, like if you had Yummy. the opportunity to eat that, yeah, you were like, oh, you're a big high person, you know, you can eat monkey brains. Right. And so these, these were given to her and she almost threw up, but she yeah. ate some of the monkey brains because Man. that was a part of the culture. And she was willing to change whatever she had to about herself, put herself aside for the sake of reaching the culture and communicating with the culture. Right. And we're on mission here as well. The culture in America is very weird. It's very different. Yep. And we have to understand how they communicate in order to bring the gospel to them. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, creating those welcoming spaces. Mm-hmm. For the broken ministry itself is broken people ministering to other broken people. Absolutely. uh, Healing the hurting, giving compassion to the lost. And, you know, that desire springs from our own understanding that our hearts were once just as lost Mm -hmm. as everybody else's without Christ. Right. And who are we to stand back and say like, you know, Daniel, you're not good enough for the gospel. You don't, you don't wear the clothes that we wear. You don't speak the language that we speak. And so, so we're actually, we're just going to forget about you. I don't care about welcoming you. Mm-hmm. You know, I care about welcoming people that look like me and right. um, do the things that I like to do. And, you know, there's going to be connections in the, in the culture in, in some way, some respect, you are going to reach people yeah. that you rub shoulders with the most. There's no question about that, but it really does take an intentional focused effort to create a welcoming space for other people who, who desperately need the gospel. Right. And man, if, if we're not doing that, it, what are we doing? Kind of, yeah. kind of deal. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, I think that's the very, very basic starting point. And so golly, you know, we're, again, we're not saying here's how to do it. Here's the model you should adapt and just, or, or here's the conglomeration of models, like figure out a balance between all of them. What we're saying is start by transforming 
your influence to reach broken people with the gospel, Mm -hmm. you know, and let the gospel influence those lives because you have, we have no idea what God is going to do with this person who comes, who comes to our churches and hears the gospel or comes into our, our life and hears the gospel. It's, um, uh, I, I think that it's just so crucial to start right there. Absolutely. Um, Romans 13, I think is uh, six or seven. There's a verse in there. Um, don't quote me on that reference, but it's, it's welcome other people as you have been welcomed in Christ. Mm. And those, t- those two uses of welcoming there are just, they're so critical for understanding how to reach, reach pre- people. Uh, last thing I want to say is, is transforming the gospel is an, it's an ongoing process where the power of the gospel is going to impact areas of our lives at mm. different times. So that's this ongoing thing. If, if we're going to be transformed ourselves, just realize we're all a work in progress. Yeah. Um, and, and we're, we're coming alongside God in this work in progress, asking him to continue, continually work on us, you know, chisel the sin out and mm-hmm. inform us into who you've created us to be for a church. It, it's going to be a process. Absolutely. It's going to take some time to get there. Absolutely. You, you look at those new Testament epistles again, these people did not know there are certain things were sins and that's why the apostles had to reach out to them and tell them. And it was a surprise to them. And so we are going to come across things that are surprising that need to be changed and we need to be ready to accept them. No doubt. No doubt, man. I feel like I talk way too much in these things. I think you talk enough because I don't have enough to say. So. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're like the one that everyone really wants to hear from because again, you're DTS. You know, you're you're a seminary grad, so hold that up. <laughs> well, I am brilliant. Yeah, so. <laughs> uh, golly, no. Sometimes I'm like, why do I, t- I Daniel? Daniel's comments are like way better than mine. No, I need to stop talking here. Yeah. This is such a weird moment where we're lifting each other up (laughs) (laughs) i hope that i hope we answered all the questions we should have answered with this series it was a short series only six episodes yep um and i would like to encourage if anyone listening we didn't answer a question or you have questions certainly reach out to us through um, email text phone calls call the church call us personally or even just go to our our instagram or or whatever and, and just shoot us questions because we definitely want to this is all made for those who are listening, right? right? This isn't, we don't just like to get together and talk about this stuff. Right. Um, we do, but yeah, you know. Yeah. And at, at the end of the day, hey, churches are going to have different ways that they try to transform the culture. Yes. Here's the important thing. Go out and reach people. Uh, go find, pray for opportunities. Evangelism always starts with prayer. Mm-hmm. Pray for those opportunities. Ask God for wisdom. And then when they come into your lap, because they will, he's always faithful to provide mm-hmm. those opportunities have the boldness to share Christ. I mean, don't make this a rocket science kind of process. It's, it's not right. complicated. It really is as simple as sharing your faith on a daily basis yes. uh, with people around you. So anyway, I'm uh, looking forward to Thanksgiving. We're going to have a break next week. Mm. We'll be off. We'll pick back up in uh, probably December. It'll be December next time we're together, man. Woo-hoo. So actually, I don't know what to think about that, but can't um, believe it's already December. Maybe the election will be over Maybe. after Thanksgiving. Who knows? <laughs> we'll see. Who knows? Maybe it'll be over by 2021. We'll or, see. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks again for joining us and uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Hidden God.